Do you ever find yourself in this comparison game? You know, it's so easy in today's world with social media and access to everyone's lives that you can begin to compare your life with other people's lives. Maybe it's your kids. You know, I, my kids are just getting into sports and it's like, Abe's really into soccer and it's like, man, I can compare Abe's skills to other kids' skills and how many goals he scores and you can begin to say, okay, am I doing this right? Or maybe it's the house or your career or your status or your car. I, I remain nameless, but one of my friends got a Tesla and now my 2010 Honda Civic is not cutting it for me and I can compare my car with his car. And it's so easy to get into the comparison game. I remember one of my favorite places to travel is San Diego. I mean, who doesn't love San Diego, right? If you've never been, you gotta get to San Diego. It is how to live. But I love to travel down there. And one time I was down there with my friend and I was saying, man, it is crazy. Everyone drives really nice cars. Like an Audi is like, the bottom line in San Diego, it feels like. And I said, man, it's so crazy. And I started to compare, I said, like, there is a ton of money, like, what am I doing wrong? And he said, oh, whoa, 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 there, there's a lot of money here, yeah, but it's mostly that people are just in debt up to their eyeballs. And I realized in that comparison game that it really does something in us when we get into this life of comparison. And so, you know, it's interesting because it does something to our hearts. And comparison can be dangerous because it, it can rob us of our identity. It can make us feel insecure. It can block us for contentment. And, and today we're going to talk about what Paul says in relation to the world that we are living in, the gospel, and ourselves. And we're going to look today about the comparison game, but today we start this new sermon series called Finding Freedom. And this sermon series is going to go through one of the most challenging and personally challenging books that you can go through in the Bible, at least for me, I think so. And that is the book of Romans. And we're going to go in deep and we're going to tackle some really hard conversations as we look at finding freedom through the book of Romans. And this book will expose sin and challenges that we all have within us. And it, my hope and my prayer is that during this, that we'll begin to break free of some of the shame and guilt that you, we may be carrying. And the goal, the ultimate goal, is for us to find this new level of freedom, which will lead us to a new level of evangelism to impact our community. So as we dig in, and as we unpack these things, my heart is that this series would be life-changing, that it would be personally challenging, but that it would be life-changing, and that it leads us to, to really transforming others' lives in our communities, because that's what God wants to do through us. He wants all of us. He wants us to be free, but then He wants us to be in the transforming business, as we always talk about. So today, we're going to talk about Romans 1 and 2 a bit, and we're going to get into this important topic of truth and judgment as we look at the gospel and the world that we are living in. And so as we look at the book of Romans, we can see this pattern that's laid out. And I want to throw this chart up real quick, and this is just how we're going to be approaching Romans. You know, we start out at the beginning of Romans, and we begin and we see that we are in the courthouse of God. But through the gospel and his righteousness, we move into the family house of God, which leads us to new life and freedom and transformation, which ultimately leads us to a new level of reaching out. And as we talk about finding free freedom, we will see this pattern 
throughout Romans as we go chapter by chapter together. And look, God is doing something new, not only through our church, but through each one of us. And 2022 is preparing us in spirit and in truth for the harvest that God is going to bring to the new house. We fully believe that. That is our prayer. That's what we talk about as an elder team, that we are preparing ourselves in spirit and in truth for the harvest that is going to be coming in the new house. So ready to be broken free of some stuff. Be ready to be transformed and be ready to share the gospel and reach out like never before because that's my prayer for this sermon series. And so as we start to look at this sermon series and we start to look at Romans, we want to set the stage for this letter. You know, this was written around 20 years after Christ's death and Paul is writing to the church in Rome. And it's so important, whenever you're reading Paul, to understand that this is outside of the 2022 American church model, right? He's writing to Roman churches, but these are house churches spread out through the city. This is not necessarily an individual church, but he's writing to all Christians in Rome. And now the early church is made up of Christians with Jewish background and with non-Jewish background. So you have Jewish people who have come to Christianity, and you have Gentiles who are also now Christians. And so we look at this, and you'll see him jump back and forth between these two things. And what we find is that he's trying to unify them. We see that there is some tension that is happening. And so as we make it very clear in his message that this is the gospel for all people, and he's going to address some of those tensions. And throughout the book of Romans, you will feel tension. For the Jewish Christians, for the non-Jewish Christians, he's going to have tension for each one of them. And for us as individuals, there will be tension. There will be tension. And tension is a good thing. But tension is also a hard thing. And that's okay. You know, it's like lifting weights. I, uh, I am a runner, but I've been trying to include lifting weights into my life. And oftentimes, I'll lift with other people, and I will ultimately pick a lighter weight than I really should be using. I, I don't really like tension when I'm, run, when I'm lifting the weights, but it's in the tension that we begin to grow. And we can keep kind of picking lighter weights and kind of grow, which is, 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 is progress, I guess. But, or we can begin to look at like a book of Romans and start to have tension and start to build up our muscles through tension. And so I'm really excited about that because today we're going to be talking about some tough things and that's good. So we see this. He's writing to the people who are experiencing extreme tension. These are Jesus followers in Rome and are living in the heart of pagan culture. And Rome would have been a place where pleasure and the pursuit of happiness was a driver. You know, they were setting the building blocks for our modern day civilization that we are now enjoying, that we are now experiencing. And here it's interesting because the Roman gods did not demand strong moral behavior. So there were these public gods and it was an interesting experience because they were not, they did not have to have strong moral behavior. Approval from the gods was not dependent on a person's behavior, but rather the rituals and the sacrifices that they did. And so we see this. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll would have been going on in Rome. And Paul was an expert for this letter because Paul was a religious man and an expert in the Jewish law, 
but he was also a Roman citizen. So we see this. He would have understood the tension that they were experiencing. He would have been a person of faith living in the heart of this pagan civilization. And he would have understood this tension. But in the middle of it, in the middle of all this, we see that the church in Rome seems to be making an impact. Let's look at it right here. Romans 1, 8. It says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world. Church in 2022, planet crazy. Here we are, tough times, things are complicated, but we're going to see here in Romans that it is in their context as well. The church in 57 AD, when this was written, had similar complications, but their faith was getting reported all around the world. And so we see that there seems to be some progress. There seems to be some advancement of the gospel in very difficult contexts. And we should take note that that's our goal as well. Advancement of the gospel, even in difficult contexts. And we are in difficult contexts, and that's okay. There's going to be tension here. But it's advancement of the gospel in very difficult contexts is our goal. I don't want you to miss this. It's hard, but throughout the Bible, it's the story after story of the advancement of God's kingdom in difficult contexts and circumstances. And so we jump into Romans 1, and we're going to get into this culture, which will bring to light our culture, and we'll see some similarities within this. But remember, throughout this first section and throughout, throughout Romans, that it's all about the gospel. In this first section, we will be heading to the courtroom. And so Paul writes, even as it seems that the church is on the move, that it's advancing the gospel, Paul is going to write this, and he's going to write this to help them fully understand the gospel. Then he wants them to experience the gospel. And then ultimately, he wants to find glorious release and freedom for all those that are experiencing the gospel in our lives. So he wants us to understand the gospel. He wants us to experience the gospel. And he wants us to find freedom. And he wanted the church in Rome, even a church that seemed to be successful, he wanted them to fully understand the gospel and to experience the gospel and to ultimately find freedom. And that's my prayer for each one of us, that we would have our hearts shaped and changed through this word. And so let's just jump right in. Romans 1.1, let's start at the beginning. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart from the gospel of God, the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. As we jump into Romans, let's look first at how Paul views himself. You know, all freedom in our lives starts with understanding our identity. And it's interesting how Paul describes himself here. And I think that freedom starts with this identity. You know, we can search the world for living freely, but in many places in the biblical text, we find that freedom only comes when we submit. And Paul calls himself here a servant. And the word he uses in Greek literally means slave. And most translations use the word slave. So he is a man under authority. And we as Christians are men and women under authority. We are servants ourselves to Paul. Jesus is so great. Jesus is so important that he's willing to separate himself from wealth and health and friends and safety and acclaim anything. He is a servant. 
And we have to have this positioning in our lives too. If we want to find if we want to find freedom, we have to understand that our identity first and foremost is a servant as well. He is a servant, a slave to Jesus Christ, who set apart for what does it say? The gospel. For the gospel. Now the term gospel literally means good news or good herald. So we see this. It's simply this declaration of good news. You know, the gospel is not advice to be followed. It's not rules, but it's news. Good news of what God has done. And so we're servants to this gospel, to this good news. This is who we are. He's going to say every prophet, every scripture has been pointing to this. And this is the fulfillment. The gospel is the declaration of Jesus' perfect rule and an invitation for us to come under that perfect rule and to say, this is our Lord. Jesus is our Lord. And he's going to find this identity. Our identity and his identity is simply making Jesus Lord of our lives. And this is how Paul is going to start this letter. Now, he's going to go on. He's going to go on about his longing to visit Rome, and he's going to hope, there's hope for the church there in Rome. And then we're going to come to verse 14 onwards, and this is where it's going to focus. And so let's start right now at Romans 1, 14 through 17. I am obligated both to Greeks and to non-Greeks, both to the wise and to the foolish. That is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as is written, the righteous will live by faith. Paul is going to make it clear right here that everyone needs the gospel. Greek, non-Greek, wise, foolish, those inside the church, those outside the church, all of us need the gospel. And the good news is how people are called to faith and how we grow in our faith. And we see this, that just like today, there seems to be this temptation to be ashamed and not eager to share our faith. And Paul is going to say in verse 16 and 17 that we need to not be ashamed of our faith. And 16 and 17 are some of the most famous passages in the Bible. So it's clear that we are not to be ashamed of the gospel, this good news, even in a culture and in a world that is going to push back on the good news. You know, Paul's day and age, and in today's day and age, it's amazing that this news, this free and undeserved salvation could be tough to share. It doesn't really make sense, but there is going to be pushback. You know, it can be insulting. It can be insulting. It offends the modern call of self-expression. We see that, right? It goes against the popular belief that we are all good and that being good and being spiritual is enough. You know, I think it's huge for our generation, but it's calling people away from autonomy. You know, it calls us, you and me, all of us, anyone who believes, to follow a suffering servant in Jesus Christ, and it calls all of us to suffer and serve with him. And so it's hard. You're going to get pushback, but it says, do not be ashamed of the gospel. But as we look deeper in verse 16, Paul is telling us 
that the gospel is literally the power of God. And so it's not a philosophy. It's, it's not a concept. It's not a story. It is the power of God. And this is amazing. It has the power to change lives. It has the power to change heart. It has the, the power to change life orientation. Our understanding of everything. It has the power to change all that. It has the power to change the way we live and the way we relate to others. This is the good news. It saves. It reconciles. It changes the tra trajectory. It restores. It redeems. This is the gospel. And it is for everyone who believes. And this is what we're talking about when we talk about the gospel. And we're not to be ashamed. We're not to be ashamed of the gospel because no matter how hard it may seem, good news is simply this. Good news. It's good news and it's life-changing news. And so we should be eager, not ashamed to share it. And the verse 17 is going to tell us. Here's the most amazing part about it. The gospel sets us right with God. And the gospel reveals righteousness from God that we can only receive from faith. God's doing the work. It's amazing. And we have to share this message. And I think we are in a season where we can maybe find ourselves ashamed of the gospel. If not ashamed, not eager to share it. And it's these challenges. And in this verse, Paul is almost reminding himself and he's reminding the church in Rome, don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. Remember that the gospel is literally power. And we have to understand that, that we, get, that, that we can't achieve righteousness in and of ourselves, and those around us can't achieve righteousness in and of itself, but by faith alone. And we have to realize that, and it should lead us to wanting to share that out. And that's my heart for this church. Now, we're going to dig deep here. We're going to go a little bit deeper. And again, remember that we are talking about a Roman culture, and you'll see similarities to our culture as we go. So verse 18. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature has been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made. So the people are without excuse. Romans 1, 18-20 we see here that the gospel is not here to just make us happy. It's that we're going to see that there is actually a wrath of God. And many people struggle with this. And in 2022, this is not easy. But we have to remember, non-believers, believers, we have entered the courtroom. And apart from the gospel, we are under the wrath of God. Another question always comes up. How can God be loving and be a, there be a wrath of God? You know, God is perfect and we all fall short. It's that simple. And that's okay because we have this salvation in Jesus if we simply believe. We have salvation in Jesus if we simply believe. And this is fair because God is fair. And right anger is based on his goodness and his perfection. And he does the work to make us right. And Paul is saying here that the wrath is revealed against godlessness and wickedness happening amongst people. And it says that these people are doing this in this simple and profound word here. They're doing this and they're suppressing the truth. It's not that they don't know the truth. 
It's not that they don't understand the truth. It's not that they even are ignoring the truth. It says that they are suppressing the truth. And Paul is telling us that God has revealed himself to all of us. He's revealed himself to all of us. Just look at creation. He's revealing the eternal power of God. And people all have the choice and there's without excuse now. And we simply see this. Creation convicts all people of a creator who is deserving of our compliance to his order and nature itself. Let's read this again. Creation convicts all people of a creator who is deserving of our compliance to his order and nature itself. They have the choice. They have the choice of acknowledging and being dependent on God or choosing independence, which will lead, as Paul says, to godlessness and wickedness. That's what it is. We talked about this in the worship series. Paul is going to tell us that we always worship something. So, so people have the choice. If they refuse to acknowledge and depend on God, they change the object of their worship to false things and false gods and even to themselves. And that's going to lead to destruction. And so now we're going to go deep. For, t- for time, we're going to skip ahead to 24. And here we go. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their heart to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the Creator, who is forever praised. Amen? Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lust. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations with unnatural, for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. Furthermore, just as they did not think it was worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy and murder and strife and deceit and malice. They are gossips, slanders, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. It says right here that we fall into sinful desires or lust. And this literally means an over-desire. You know, it's an all-controlling drive or or longing that we can no longer control. And, and, And the challenge with our hearts is that we desire a lot of bad things, right? And we'll see, we can make gods out of our career or our sex or getting ahead or our status, you name it. We, we can have a desire towards that. And you can see right here that he starts with sex. First, he starts with sexual impurity and degrading our bodies with one another. And we can actually miss it because of the next lines, but he's saying, wait, wait, wait. All sex outside of marriage leads us to godlessness and wickedness. And this over-desire can be most evident in our sexual sexual lives. He's going to say following your own desires can lead to sexual impurity. Sex before marriage, sex outside of marriage, unnatural relations to sex, 
Women are now lusting after women. Men are now lusting after men. And all of this, all of this is against God. And we are in the courtroom and we get the choice to follow our own desires or God's truth. No matter what the culture says, no matter what we see on TV, no matter what our friends say, God made himself known to all people. And, and we get this choice. And if we don't choose truth and we don't choose faith, we are heading down a path of destruction. Family, this was going on in Paul's day and it's going on in our day. And he doesn't stop there. You know, he lists other sins that happens. Happen, and when we lead on our own desires, you know, economic disorder like greed, and 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 he talks about social disorder like murder and strife and deceit and malice, and then he talks about family breakdowns if we don't obey our parents, and he talks about relational disorder like like gossip and slander and, and being boastful and having no love and having no loyalty and having no no mercy. In every society, people understood right and wrong. And they understand right and wrong. And people that do these things and promote it and encourage it, they're setting up idols and encouraging idolatry. And it says not only death is heading their way to those who approve of these, but those who practice them as well. And so here we go. Remember, we talked about tension. And do you remember when I started talking about the comparison game though? And there is tension here. It's easier for us to see how others do this, then, then, then to, to really just see how we do it as well. And Paul is setting up this reality of the world, but he's also going to say, look at yourselves as well. And we as believers are to flee from these things, and we're to not approve of them, and we're not approve of those who practice them. That is clear. But it's so easy to just shake our head and roll our eyes and, and kind of have this self-righteous look at things. But in light of verse 16 and 17, we know that we don't need to fear God's wrath because we have received his righteousness. This should give us humility and freedom. Amen. And as we read on, we will see this tension that we are not to promote or encourage these behaviors. But then we look at Romans 2, 1 through 4. You therefore have no excuse. You who pass judgment on someone else. For at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. God's kindness is to lead us to repentance as well. This hits hard. He says, whenever we are judging a non-religious person or we, judge, we are judging ourselves, and we may look at this list and feel like, yo, 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 I'm, I'm good to go. You know, we haven't committed sexual impurity. We, we haven't committed murder. But we remember in Matthew 5, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, if you even look lustfully at a woman, you have committed adultery. And then he says, you do not murder. You've heard, do not murder. But I'm telling you, don't even be angry with your brothers or sisters or you will be subject to judgment. This is huge. We are in the courthouse too. You know, we do the same stuff. 
We can take the posture of feeling like our lives are better than others. We can get into the comparison game, but, but the reality from God's perspective is that we are all flawed and broken and in need of forgiveness and healing. And this keeps us from the comparison game. Again, we do not promote it. We don't encourage it. We understand that there's godlessness and wickedness. There is right and wrong. There is good and evil. And we don't participate in it. And we make sure our, that other, our other believers don't participate in it as well. That is part of being the body of Christ. But we remember that we are all judged not by mere man, but by a perfect God. And we make verdicts about others we, we are actually putting it on ourselves and our hearts as well. And so it pushes us away from believing that other people can find redemption within it. When we put that verdict on others, it does something to our hearts. And they are far away from God's salvation. It may make us believe that it's too hard for them to move towards God. And maybe you, you have someone in your life that you've taken this posture towards. Maybe you're justified not sharing the gospel with them because you think, oh, they're just too far gone. You know, maybe you've taken the position of being superior and, and, and those in our lives can't relate to you. These are all things. Maybe we're at a place where we need forgiveness and to receive forgiveness and to repent of our own sins. Maybe we're at a place where we really need to receive fully God's forgiveness and start living by faith. Paul is laying out directions for the tension of living as a believer in Rome. And I'd make the case that it's as hard now as it was before. And we're going to see this. But remember, we have to understand that in this chapter, we are in the courtroom heading to freedom. And understand that our own depravity it should only set us on mission even more to not just be ashamed, not to be ashamed of the gospel, but to be eager to share it. And that's my heart, that we would be a church that understands how to speak truth and love to everyone who needs to hear it. That we would be a church that speaks truth to our friends and our family and our coworkers, and that we would do it in love. So let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this, this incredible word. I thank you that you, you have done all um, through your son, Jesus Christ, that we are forgiven of our sins and that we are now in right standing with you. Lord, I thank you for your salvation. Lord, I pray for uh, each one of us that we would have an eagerness to share the gospel, that we would, that we would, um, that we would not be ashamed of the gospel, but that we would share it with people who desperately need it. Lord, I pray against our hearts to be hardened to this world, but rather to be like you, to see the brokenness of the world and want to respond, to share the gospel with people in need. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey Redeem Church, I'm Liz and I am standing in our Future Worship Center. If you've ever built anything before, you know that it takes time, but we are rocking and rolling. So I'm on here actually to give you three announcements. Number one, we have a work party this Sunday. We are gonna try to do it every other week, but next week is Super Bowl Sunday. So we are not gonna have a work party next Sunday, but, to, but this Sunday, there are things to move, there are things to paint, and there are things to clean this place being one of them. And so if you can come on down this Sunday at 10 o'clock and we're just gonna work together, have a little bit of lunch. It'll be a great time to get this place farther along than it is now. 
And announcement number two is we would like to invite you to an event here February 12th at People's Plaza from about 10 to 2.30. We are going to be going through very quickly the study called Sacred Pathways by Gary Thomas. It's going to be an awesome time together of, of learning to, about one another because we're going to be learning about the different ways that we individually connect to God. Gary Thomas has outlined nine different pathways that we as individuals connect with God in, in naturally. And we might be a blend of two or three pathways, especially if you've been walking with Christ for a while now, but it's still good to learn more about how you connect with Christ so you can lean in to that even, even more. And also to learn about whoever you bring along with you to this event, how they connect with Christ. So it's just gonna be a fun time. We're gonna have lunch together. And then of course, you know, we hold Saturday services still at Olympic View Baptist Church. So we'll get done about two, 2.30, and then we'll head on over to Olympic View Baptist Church for our six o'clock service. And our third announcement is that um, we are starting a new sermon series on the amazing book of Romans. It's all about finding freedom. And we are all living in, this, in these times of tension, same as those who, that were living um, during the time that this book was written and taught. And so we would like to invite you to um, come Saturday nights, of course, and we're gonna be going through the book of Romans chapter by chapter. So um, lots, of, lots of exciting things going on. So again, work party this Sunday, uh, Sacred Pathways event February 12th, and check it out, our new series on Romans.